Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's our weekly happy hour today on Trending and bit of a heavy topic, but I think it's important. You're hearing a lot in the news right now about abortion in this nation. Ever since the overturning of Roe versus Wade by the Supreme Court last June, we're not even a year off of that decision, and the states are raging war. War has been waged over the issue of abortion. Some states falling on the side of more pro-life. Others, like Colorado, I'll give you some of the latest news out of Colorado a little later, choosing to be rather pro-abortion. But the latest you hear has to do with RU486, the abortion pill, specifically mifepristone, the first of the two series of pills that are taken to start that abortion process. That more recently, the FDA has allowed so much deregulation by the Biden administration that it's being allowed to be taken up to 10 weeks. We're going to talk about that today with American Life League's Executive Vice President, Hugh Brown. Hugh Brown's here to talk about abortion with us, what's happening, the good news, I think, coming imminently from the Supreme Court. And I'll talk later today about how RU-46 abortion impacts a woman's body, as well as why women aren't happier with abortion. How does the mental health of women fare when they have access to abortion? We'll talk about that today on Trending. The number is 1-888-914-9149. Hugh, welcome back to Trending. What do you make of the latest news that the Supreme Court has already stepped in rather quickly in the fight over the abortion pill here in the States ever since just a few weeks ago? that A Texas court said that because the abortion pill was never properly brought onto the market back in 2000 and the FDA just went ahead and jumped through the hula hoops without any effort uh, that they were allowed to bring this as accessible 23 years ago. The Texas court said no, it's not acceptable and then we saw the Fifth Circuit last week intervene saying, you know what, let's put a hold on this, let's put some restrictions on the pill, such as not allowing non-physicians to give access to women, let's limit access to seven weeks, and let's not allow for telemedicine, among other things. And then suddenly the Supreme Court, after being appealed to by President Biden's administration, has now put a block on the Fifth Circuit, courts blocking and limiting RU-46 abortion, and the stay is being held until this Wednesday, to which we are hoping that the Supreme Court Will Hiller a case on the RU-486 abortion pill? Hugh from American Life Lake. Hugh Brown, welcome to Trending. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me. So I think, you know, the fact that the Supreme Court uh, is going to uh, issue something on Wednesday, uh, we have to take as a positive. Um, everything you just described, I think, you know, one of the things that we have to also pay attention to is that facts matter. And when this uh, abortion pill was approved in the year 2000, it was at the end of the uh, Clinton administration and it was rushed right. through. Right. And from 
from the, the approval of that pill to most recently the, the rush approval of these vaccines. I mean, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, should have the job of, of uh, approving things that have been tested that are safe and proven effective, not something that kills people. And that's what these pills do. And you know, we actually put out a, an email on Saturday. You know, there are multiple Planned Parenthood affiliates, Alaska, um, I believe, um, Massachusetts and others that have said that even if this pill is taken off the market, they're going to go ahead and issue the second pill, which is uh, Mifepristol. And Mifepristol is the pill that he, he basically ejects, causes it, uh, causes a baby to be um, you know, expelled, rather, from his mother's womb. And does that mean that the child is going to potentially be uh, born alive? Right. Um, it's just it's a, a, absolutely horrific and barbaric. So we, you know, what Planned Parenthood is continuing to prove is that, you know, they are all about dollars. They're all about. Uh, the pro- profiting from death, they don't care about women. The fact that they would even issue that statement is horrific. That's horrific. Because it, it, yeah. It, yeah. it actually increases the, the, the chance of, 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 of harm and death to women. They don't yes. care. Yes, yes. And you for know, those they, who they, maybe don't understand, really quick, the RU46 abortion pill process uh, is a two-step process. And Mifepristone, which is what is under debate currently, which I believe the Supreme Court will end up hearing this case, which is considered Alliance of Hippocratic Medicine versus Food and Drug Administration. They are bringing into question the first pill, which essentially kills the baby. The second pill leads to the baby being passed, basically a miscarriage occurring where the body dispels the baby. But what happens is if the baby isn't killed first, then Will the baby be born alive? Will the baby be born dead? And Planned Parenthood, as you just said, Hugh, is saying they will still use the second of the two drugs. Uh, if the first one is banned, eventually, they will still use it, leading to potentially the birth of a live baby. Now, I've heard, Hugh, from women, of women, who have given birth already to live babies. You know, just think about a teenager or a college student not properly taking these series of pills, maybe taking the second pill too soon and the baby ends up passing. And I had heard just this summer of a, some, a counselor who worked directly with a college student who passed a baby in her bedroom between the sheets in her dorm room of a live wiggling baby. And this is unbelievable that we're even having this conversation, Hugh. Well, I think that it is just more evidence of the the hour that we're in, right? We live in a very, very sad time from not just this conversation, but all the other things that you see happening in society where people seem to just be turning the other cheek and not paying attention from not just the exploitation and death of children, um, and this, the, this nonsense being foisted upon women, but all the other just immorality and all of the focus on uh, the perversion of children. So what, what we're going to do, right, is that it's absolutely awful. It's horrific. And so my hope is that the Supreme Court, as they should have done with Dobbs, they had the opportunity and they did not. If the Supreme Court wanted to, what they could have done, is recognize the point of creation we're dealing with a human being, right? Someone created in the image and likeness of God who is deserving of the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And until something like that happens, we're just going to keep going back and forth over these procedures and what is approved and what's not approved, trying to regulate death. And essentially, the thing, your intro to this uh, conversation said that the uh, Planned Parenthood and others have already said, well, there are, or judges have said they're going to push 
the pill back to seven weeks. They're going to do away with telemed. They want in-person mm-hmm. visits. Mm-hmm. All things that were allowed to make death easier. So how many millions of children have died because the pill has been given to somebody who's 12 weeks pregnant, 15 weeks pregnant. Right. Somebody on the other 16, end of a computer writes 16. a prescription. Yep. Well, we don't. That's Hugh Brown from American Life League joining us now on Trending. Uh, Hugh, you know, it's interesting as we're talking about this, you know, you're saying that the Supreme Court needs to hear this case and they didn't do the job fully back with overturning of Roe versus Wade. Uh, When they did, what what we saw from the Supreme Court is that they overturned a federal right across the nation to abortion through all nine months of a woman's pregnancy. But what we didn't see is restrictions. fixed on this specific issue. And so what we need to see from the Supreme Court is the outline, right, of abortion one day. That is what I hope. But unfortunately, Hugh, you know, as I'm thinking about this, I think that what will happen, the Supreme Court will hear this case. Right now it's considered Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus Food and Drug Administration. I think that by Wednesday, we will know because they have until Wednesday with a current stay, that pause they placed on this, which allows, in the meantime, access to this pill, unfettered access. But I think they'll hear the case, and I think that they will end up saying, no, it was not appropriate in 2000 when the FDA approved mifepristone. And in actuality, mifepristone is too harmful uh, for women and their bodies. And we'll see it thrown out the door, God willing, because the reality is, is the harm is horrific. And to this day, 23 years later, still there are not actual studies done to show the full side effects of the impact of mifepristone on women's bodies. What do you think the outcome of of a potential Supreme Court case on this issue will be? That's Hugh Brown from American Life League. We'll have to catch up with him a little later. You can find him at ALL.org. They're on the front line of the abortion fight, as he mentioned just a little bit ago. Uh, He said he does believe it will be going to the Supreme Court. And what Planned Parenthood has already announced is even if Mifepristone is taken off of the market, they will still continue to give the second set of pills for the RU486 chemical abortion, leading to potentially a live baby when the abortion takes place, when essentially what we'd see would be a baby born alive. The reality is women deserve better. Do you know how horrific that is for a woman to give birth, one, to a dead baby, but now to a a living baby that is not viable, that at this point in terms of our medical technology, we cannot resuscitate? You know what that woman's response is going to be. She will want that child in a vast majority of cases to survive. And there is nothing she can do and nothing a physician can do. And often she will be too embarrassed to reach out in medical emergencies such as that for help for that baby. And I've heard it from women firsthand who've regretted the, the abortion, who have seen their babies there. They think they deserve the pain and the physical aftermath of the chemical abortion and what it's done to their bodies. They're embarrassed to even share what's happened with the process of abortion if a baby is born alive. And so I think that when we're talking about this, we need to not only see the overturning of the use of use of mifepristone in this nation and the false approval that we saw for it back in 2000, uh, but we need to talk about the impact of abortion on women. And that is, I think, when we hear the Supreme Court actually talking about how abortion has damaged women's bodies and their futures, that's when we will have greater feedback in terms of changing what's happening with regard to abortion in this culture. Hugh, any further thoughts on the Supreme Court potentially hearing this case? 
Yeah, and again, my apology for a bad connection, but I, I would simply say this. I think you just hit the nail on the head. The conversation has to be changed. And the only way to change the conversation, there's, there's only two ways. And they're not going to do the first ever. They're never going to talk about the fact that you're killing a child. That's just not what they're going to do. There's just too much money to be made, and that they've proven that. The second part is the harm caused to women. And you've mentioned people that you've talked to, spoken with rather stories that you've heard. And we talk to uh, women uh, every day. Every day we hear different stories about just the horror that abortion has caused families, about the, the trauma that it's caused um, uh, uh, young women, about the, the, the impact it's had on marriages, about the impact it's had on generations of families. So until that conversation can be had, until there's actual honesty, right, until there's a, keep the spiritual out of it, which I think is impossible, but until there's intellectual honesty on this conversation and just the horror that it's created for women, that it's not a right, it's a trauma, and you're dealing with dead children. Until that conversation is had and people actually acknowledge it, we're going to continue to just sort of nip at the edges and try to regulate this and change that. And while I'm never going to discount the fact that a life may be saved, you're still dealing with many, many lives that are being lost. And Americans have to be honest that we're killing our citizens. Mm -hmm. And we have no right to do so. Our forefathers knew that up until the 1970s. We, we understood that. Uh, we just, we've allowed evil, and now we're trying to just continue to regulate it, to, 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 to lie about it, to not be honest about it. And until those conversations are had, um, it's just never going to change, Timmy. So we have to keep pressing the issue. And I'm glad you mentioned you know, the conversation has to change. We will always say that abortion kills a baby. But what we find effective in some of the laws that have passed is that abortion hurts women. And people listen to that. People listen to that in this radical feminist culture. That doesn't mean it discredits the argument that abortion kills a baby. We need to say both, but we can't just focus on one or the other. The two go hand in hand. And the fact is, you mentioned, you know, this is, we can talk about this without religion, but we do have to talk about it with religion too, because I think it's part of the conversation that there is a God-ordained plan for the human person and the human body. And until we put in check the promiscuous culture we live in that makes abortion necessary, abortion will always be with us. And so this is where when we talk about being pro-life, it means in all areas of our life. It means having accountability and sexual integrity. It means helping women to bond with their children when they're having a difficult time bonding and therefore not wanting future children. We talked about postpartum depression on Friday's show. I hope you'll listen to that episode because I think that has a lot to do with the pro-abortion culture. We've used abortion to justifiably, quote unquote, help and free and liberate women, but it has actually harmed women and we're not getting to real solutions. Uh, Hugh, have you followed what's happening this past week in Colorado? Colorado is one of the most permissive states in the nation with regard to abortion. And we saw this week the governor, Jared Polis, there in Colorado has gone so far, he has actually banned, signed into law a three-part pro-abortion set of bills that bans the RU486 abortion pill reversal, which helps a woman if she starts the abortion pill process that we've been talking about. If she changes her mind, she can start to get in contact with a medical network and start taking progesterone to help support the pregnancy that helps to be pro-gestation, keep the baby growing rather than mifepristone, which specifically stops a the production of progesterone. So what's happened is Jared Polis, the governor there in Colorado, is actually banning this life-saving medical technique for women who thousands of women have living babies, healthy babies today. 
I'm astounded that we're at the point where we're banning healthy medicine because people are that pro-abortion. Well, and I think that that is a perfect example of what evil is, right? Evil that supports the slaughter of children doesn't want any infringement on its action. And when someone like that governor takes that type of step, I think it just emphatically shows you an un, unrelenting commitment to death. And that's what we are up against. I, we've said that for decades. The difference between God's people and people like that, and he's got a soul, right? We, we, we wish salvation for him. We wish some form of conversion. But prayer at times is not enough. The Lord has put us in this hour and time, and we have to bear witness. We have to be willing to act. And the people of Colorado have got to stand up against this. There are good groups in Colorado that have got to file suit to take that, that type of law to the Supreme Court. There's no way that life-affirming yeah. care can somehow be, be relegated to, to being illegal. That's right. just, it, it is uh, the height, I think it's the height of, of, of just highlighting what the culture of death is, and that is absolute commitment, unyielding commitment to abortion and dead babies. At the end of the day, that's what we're talking about, dead babies. That's who they are, and And it it is absolutely perverse and and Mm -hmm. evil. And that's no choice for a woman. If you say you can no longer change your mind about an abortion, you have to go through with that process. That is not choice. I have been in front of those abortion clinics. I have spoken to these women. I remember coming alongside one woman in particular who stands out, who started the chemical abortion process, took the first set of pills, immediately regretted it. She only did it because her so-called Catholic boyfriend said that was the only way he would stay with her. She took the first set of pills. She regretted it. She started to seek out help. She started to go through the abortion pill reversal protocol and... What happened? She ends up in the emergency room because her bleeding was so significant. She shares that she's doing the abortion pill reversal protocol. She tries to put the ER doctors in contact with the abortion pill reversal network of physicians worldwide. And the ER lied to her. Doctors there forced her to take the second set of pills, gave her some low-dose ibuprofen to take home. And she gave birth to a dead baby at home in a bathtub while passing also blood clots the size of baseballs a few days later and her experience was awful she changed her mind and the pro-abortion medical community said no you have no choice and they forced her to have that abortion and you know what as we saw in the crisis pregnancy centers it always happens when a woman is forced to have an abortion because she's trying to save a relationship on average usually that relationship ends within three weeks 17 days later that relationship was over and she was on her own She struggled with drug abuse, all kinds of identity issues since then. And that's because someone told her, you can't change your mind. You don't have a choice. The only option in this culture is abortion. And again, that's not pro-woman. That's pro-death of the baby. And that doesn't help with the mental health of women today, which we'll talk about a little later on here on Trending. Hugh, I do want to get your take on another something. I've been looking at the whole Colorado situation. And you know, if you just kind of statistically break this down, you and I have heard it for years that pro people claim that pro-life individuals are white men trying to make decisions for women. And I've always found this fascinating, especially given the fact that Colorado is one of those states that's 
the most pro-abortion today. Just looking at recent census data, if you look at the statistics coming out of Colorado in general, you have a high percentage of people there in Colorado. It's 86% are white, and yet they are radically pro-abortion in that state. And so when people try to throw race into this entire conversation, claiming that it's white men trying to make the decisions for women, that just doesn't hold up when you look at the population of Colorado, not to mention the fact that a large majority of the people in Colorado, you have a major adventure outdoor culture of young people flocking to Colorado as well prior to Colorado becoming a more pro-abortion state. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, that's just more deception, right? I mean, if you look at, if you want to, it's, they're grim, right? But if you want to look at statistics and facts, you have to look at facts. Um, the, let's start with race, right? The African American population in America is about 13.8%. So that is of the total population. Yet the number of abortions that, uh, the grand total of all abortions in, in, in any given year is almost 40%. African-Americans. How could that possibly be? Well, just a a year and a half ago, you had more abortions in the city of New York than you did live births for people that are African-American. Why is that? That's because the founder of Planned Parenthood, the number one abortion provider in the world, was founded by a eugenist, uh, somebody that wanted dead minorities, somebody that called black people human weeds. And now, you know, they hide behind the fact that somehow there's this fake racism of, of white men trying to do some whatever their nonsense is, when the fact is Planned Parenthood is a racist, bigoted organization which has been sued by its own people, even recently, for racism, systemic racism. They had someone just this weekend take his own life, sadly, who turned out to be a child pornographer who's a director of a Planned Parenthood. Right. It, is, it is an organization ripe with evil that uh, I think over almost 80% of all of their facilities are within walking distance of a, a quote unquote minority neighborhood. So you have an organization focused and dedicated to killing minorities because that's who they are. That's what their DNA is. And, and they somehow try to twist and turn. And the reason we're discussing this, Timmy, is because they have the power of the media, right? We know that the world is aligned against God's people. That includes the media. So the media is only going to say things like that which is just absolute, utter nonsense, and the, the facts you've just given prove that. So I, the, the only thing we can do is tell the truth and then fight and pray and work to educate people because you hit on it earlier when you said you know, the, the sexual immorality of the nation and the promiscuity. That's what leads to abortion. That's why Planned Parenthood is very much involved in trying to indoctrinate children as young as elementary school in their right. filth and their mm-hmm. pornography so that they can have future customers. Yes. That is the yes. only way they can do it. They sell faulty condoms. They have text messaging tactics going after these young people saying, hey, did you hook up over the weekend? What can we do to help? Are you anticipating hooking up this weekend? I mean, what they're doing is a brilliant business model to get you to use all the resources that lives a lifestyle that requires the big ticket item of abortion. That is marketing. That is sales. And that is what Planned Parenthood is good at to the point of destroying the lives of women and killing babies and killing women too and the fact that 
some of the aftermath of abortion is suicide in the culture where we talk a lot about mental health. I'll talk about that a little later on here on Trending. That's been Hugh Brown from American Life League. He's the executive vice president there at American Life League. Find them and their work at ALL.org. They're on the front line of the abortion issue. We need to be supporting our pro-life organizations and know what's happening so that we can be a part of the conversation and a part of the change by the grace of God. If you have a question about abortion, we're talking about it this hour. 1-888-914-9149. Happy to take your question. You can also ask on social media. Coming up, I'll talk about why Mifepristone, the abortion pill that's all over the news, is harmful for women's bodies and whether or not women's happiness is better when they have access to abortion. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. is actually changing. We'll talk about that a little later on. It's our weekly happy hour, and today I chose to focus on the issue of abortion. It's really the focus of every political debate today. It's behind the scenes. The bottom line is it has to do with who will live and who will die and whether or not this nation will allow state to state for that to happen and the aftermath that that will lead to for women. I'm going to discuss whether or not A woman's mental health is better after having an abortion. Part of the claim over the last 20 years in particular has been that it's better for a woman to have an abortion than to carry an unwanted baby. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the studies in just a little bit here on Trending. Before we go there, what I want to discuss right now is why mifepristone, the abortion pill, is harmful for women's bodies. And just talk a little bit about some of the stories and the data. My first encounter with RU46 mifepristone, my direct encounter, uh, was when I was in college. A woman had reached out to me via my blog at the time because she knew I wrote about the abortion pill reversal program. I worked with the abortion pill reversal program when it first came out with Dr. George Delgado. And if you need to learn more information about that, if you don't know about it, check it out at abortionpillreversal.org. But when it was first started, and you know, there was a lot of effort to spread the word, here was the great news. When I was in college, you can change your mind about abortion. If you start that abortion process and you've only taken the first pill, there's still hope that baby can be born and born alive and healthy. We have thousands of children today living and breathing today because of women who changed their minds about abortion had a choice. And that choice was available, the abortion pill reversal program. And so it's important that we're spreading the word about it. So when I first encountered an RU46 abortion actually happened with someone I knew was when I was in college, a woman had reached out to me on my blog. She said, I just took the first pill, mifepristone, which is the the specific drug that's in the news right now that we're waiting if the Supreme Court will hear your case regarding that. We've been talking about it here on Trending. You can listen to the podcast if you missed that part of the conversation. But she contacted me and she wrote a comment on my blog. I remember I was just getting out of a ballet class. I hop in my car, glance at my phone, and there is this blog comment that says, here's my phone number. I just took the first abortion pill. I regret it. I did it because my boyfriend said he wouldn't stay with me if I had this baby. And God was sending her signs left and right. Uh, There were, you know, when you see kind of those Jesus billboards on the side of the road, uh, God has a different plan for you. Jesus loves you. She was seeing signs 
such as those all over. And so she Googled, she Googled abortion pill reversal. I changed my mind and my website came up and she immediately commented and she wanted to learn more. And so I put her in contact with Dr. George Delgado, who's the founder of the abortion pill reversal process. And at this point she was within the reach of the boyfriend that was forcing her to have an abortion. And so she waited until the next morning to see Dr. Delgado and to start a progesterone protocol. And as she was in the process of this progesterone protocol uh, to save her baby's life, because mifepristone stops the the production of progesterone, you need progesterone to continue to gestate. That's why it's progestation. That's what the word comes down to. And so the long and the short of it I shared earlier, she ended up uh, in the emergency room because the bleeding was very severe from the mifepristone. Cramping was severe. The hospital lied to her, as I mentioned a little earlier. They told her there's no such thing as an abortion pill reversal. You have to finish the process. If a baby even survived this, the baby would be deformed and damaged, and you don't want that. They forced her to take the second set of RU-46 abortion pills to finish the process, didn't keep her there in the hospital as she was bleeding profusely and in intense pain. And they gave her a low dose of just common ibuprofen to take home. And she was sent home for weeks. I remember sitting there texting her on the phone with her as she passed blood clot after blood clot. She was miserable. She was in pain. The boyfriend abandoned her as the bleeding began to slow. And her life has not been... A joy-filled life since then. It was life-changing and destroying for her. She spun out of control in a mental health crisis, ended up engaging in substance abuse, ended up struggling with even so many extreme things with being a kleptomaniac. She ended up in the news. The story is absolutely heartbreaking. In fact, last I knew about her, it's been a little while since I followed her story, she was actually missing. And I remember just looking at that and thinking about this woman who about 13 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, I talked to as she was going through this horrible experience in her life of an abortion, an abortion that changed her life forever. No one talks about the reality of chemical abortion. No one talks about the bleeding. No one talks about the fact that women who go through with an RU-46 abortion, the process is so horrific medically that they often stay home because they think they deserve that because women inherently know that they just tried to end the life of their child and they don't think they deserve medical help and attention. They don't think they deserve the help of their friends. RU-486 chemical abortion makes up over 50% of all abortions today. And these women are suffering in silence. They're embarrassed to say anything. Abby Johnson herself, who used to be the director of a Planned Parenthood facility, who had an RU-46 chemical abortion, said that this was one of her dirty little secrets. She didn't talk about it. She didn't ask for help. She thought she deserved the suffering that was experienced. She didn't call 911 or take herself to an emergency room because she thought she even went so far as to deserve to die because she had made this choice and this was the aftermath. And yet this is the most common type of abortion pill. We don't know the full medical impact of it because it was allowed to be put on the market by the FDA without meeting basic standards back in 2000. And to this day, no true research has been done on it. What we do know about RU-46 chemical abortion is what we see antidotal. 
So here are some of the risks of the abortion pill that we know of. And I've mentioned some of them in sharing that story. Abdominal pain, vomiting, diarrhea, headache, heavy bleeding. When I say heavy bleeding, I'm talking about women I've spoken to. I just told you the story about my first encounter. That woman was sitting in a tub of blood because she couldn't go anywhere else in her home, passing blood clots the size of baseballs. No one was there to help her. She was too embarrassed to even speak on the phone and she wasn't capable of it. That all she could do was text. I remember sitting in my college apartment texting this woman through the night as she went through this horrible suffering, thinking that was the thing that was going to save her relationship. And then knowing that the physicians lied to her in the emergency room and forced her to take that second set of pills. What it can lead to down the road, we do know this. We are seeing the fact that women are developing autoimmune disorders because we're messing with hormones. When you take mifepristone, it's messing with the natural production of progesterone in a woman's body that's meant to function while she's pregnant. I know a thing or two about that. I actually have low progesterone during pregnancy. And it can lead to a miscarriage in the first half and preterm labor in the second half and actually having a baby early. And so what we're seeing is that women are struggling after dropping these bombs on their bodies that's disrupting the natural process of pregnancy. And it's leading to autoimmune disorders, infertility, future miscarriages of babies because the body's been told for you to go through a full-term pregnancy is bad for your body. And so the body is repeating the first pregnancy type of experience that that woman had, and it's leading to early miscarriage. It's leading to premature birth because, again, hormones have been impacted by a prior abortion. We're seeing even maternal death, and no one talks about this because in the United States of America, the regulations for reporting on incidents from abortion and any aftermath, such as death from an abortion, especially a chemical abortion, it's not been required to be reported on. And so we're seeing that we don't even have the statistics, the numbers for the number of women who have died because of this. I'll share with you in just a moment a sensationalized YouTube story that recently came out by a pro-abortion woman who actually gave birth to her baby at eight weeks and saw her baby. I'll share that with you in just a moment. We're going to talk about the mental health and the impact of women who have abortions. But before we go there, uh, we're aligned to what's your question or comment today uh, for us here on, oh no, okay, we just lost her. We'll come back. Maybe she'll call back and we can take uh, that question. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. If you have a pro-life question about abortion today, maybe you disagree. I'm happy to talk to you. Numbers 888-914-9149. The aftermath of abortion goes even further than what I just mentioned. From the extremity of maternal death, the death of the mother, infertility down the road, miscarriage down the road because the body's process of pregnancy has been disrupted, but also suicide, depression anxiety, the long-term impact, again, we still do not fully know because the FDA in 2023 years ago approved this mifepristone chemical abortion process without adequate research data testing. There are studies today that indicate the risk of depression, anxiety, and suicide is greater for women who have abortions than those women who carry to term babies who are unwanted. We're going to talk about that a little bit later here on Trending because it's shocking to see 
what's happening with the mental health of women. But before we go there, I do want to share a brief story with you. I was reading the story of a woman who recently had an abortion. And she shared her story on YouTube. She's pro-abortion and her name's Megan. She goes by Megan. And she said that she took the set of pills and she saw her baby. She saw her baby that she gave birth to by herself at home, who was basically, she says in her words, fully formed. She said, I could see its fingers, its eyes, and its feet. It was a fully formed baby. She said, I was not told that that would happen. She went on to say that the doctor didn't tell her. The booklet that he referenced when she received the RU46 uh, process and pills didn't say that either. What's fascinating to me, and I think this is striking, that as horrible of an experience as she had, she even shares that she bled for two full months after starting that abortion process. She claims that she would still have an abortion had she known all these details. She's infuriated that she wasn't told. She's traumatized by the fact that she saw her dead baby, which would have been about three centimeters-ish long. Yet, even in the face of that reality, she'd still do it. This story is significant because we live in a culture where abortion is so intensely pushed down the throats of women, of teenagers, of young girls, that that's what's necessary to have a life, to be equal, to have an education, to have a career, to have relationships on your own terms, no strings attached. That this woman who even went through this horrible abortion process was said, no one told me, and this was not right and not fair, and she saw what she said in her own words was a fully formed baby with fingers, eyes, and feet that she could distinguish. She would still do it. She only says that because the culture tells her you have to have an abortion and you have to have access to abortion in order to be you in today's world. Why are we suffering from an identity crisis in today's world? Because the world says you have to chemically alter your body with hormonal contraception. The world says that you can have and should have an abortion if it's not the right timing, not just by your standards, but by the world's standards. This is why we're suffering an identity crisis. Because we tell women that to have children is bad for your body, bad for you, and bad for society. For you to be a good contributing member to society, you need to have abortion. And so we need to reject this lie and tell the truth about the impact. Even women, women say, I would still have another abortion. They're only saying that because they've been told that's what you need to be a part of the world today. Today on Trending, if you have a question, the number is 1-888-914-9149. Lori's back. Lori, welcome to Trending. What's your question or comment today? Lori, are you there? We'd love to hear from you. Yes, I am. Oh, great. I can hear you. What's your question or comment today for us? Hi, yes. I was calling uh, because there is somebody close in my life who is about to have an abortion. Um, and I have been trying, uh, you know, to hear them out um, and let them say their story and try to be as supportive as I can. Uh, but for some reason, I just feel um, I'm a very uh, big follower of La Virgen de Guadalupe. Um, and as, you know, being the mother of Jesus, she's someone who lost her son. And I just feel like she's been calling upon me to try to save this particular child. And it's even gotten to the point where I offered this person that, you know, if she went on with the pregnancy, that I would be willing to adopt 
completely. Um, because I just feel so strongly that it's in my place to try to do something uh, to save this child's life. And I'm someone that has typically always been pro-choice and people, you know, can come and talk very open to me. But I don't know what's going on calling me to save this child. And they're kind of at the brink where they have to make a decision pretty soon. And I'm just looking to see if there's anything else that you could provide me with that I can share with this person to stop one from going through with this abortion. Lori, thank you for calling and thank you for fighting for the life of this baby. Sometimes we don't always understand why we are called to do the things that we do, but this is a good thing. And I know you say you've always been pro-choice in the past. Lori, you may be the only, the only person supporting this woman and the fact that she's pregnant. And you may be the only person fighting for that baby's life. And that's a very, very profound thing to think about because that's a reality today and you are that person there who can intervene i want to challenge you first and foremost to pray for this baby and pray for this mother and the father whatever the circumstances may be that they're in and pray for our lady's intercession our lady of guadalupe Uh, what do you do where do you start well first it's focusing on the health and safety of that woman to focus on the health and safety of that baby so a really great thing to do is to work to try and Uh, actually help her go and see the doctor. So it's a good technique to stall an abortion from occurring by saying, let's go to the doctor and make sure you are healthy and that the pregnancy is viable, that the baby is alive. You know, a lot of people have early miscarriages. Let's just go and see that you're healthy and check in on you and see how things are going. I think that's a really great place to start. And, you know, starting to have those conversations are really important. Now, I recommend when you do that, though, is that you need to go to a pro-life doctor. Why do you go to a pro-life doctor? Because pro-abortion doctors have a bias to pressure a woman to have an abortion or if she is already considering an abortion to not give her other options a pro-life doctor is going to talk to the woman about her health and the health of her baby and so we're going to post a link on social media and my producer patrick is also going to give you the information uh, for to find a pro-life obgyn you can find a pro-life obgyn at aaplog.org that's a network of pro-life obgyns across the nation and so this is a really great way i don't know where you're at um, but if you even If you need help to find someone, we're happy to help. You can also send me an email, but that's a really great place to find a pro-life OBGYN to go to. We'll post a link to that in the episode notes as well as on my social media. Just follow me at Timmerie, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. But that website, again, is aaplog.org. That's a network of pro-life OBGYNs. So again, get her to a pro-life OBGYN who's going to talk to her about her health and the health status of the baby. Women who choose, uh, women who have an ultrasound prior to having an abortion have the opportunity for full consent of what's going on. So what would be the goal would be to help her in having that ultrasound to see if, you know, according to, you know, the world standards today, if the pregnancy is viable, right? If the baby's alive, how the baby's growing to make sure that the baby's not in the fallopian tube. Because if this woman, this friend of yours, has an abortion, but the baby's in the fallopian tube, and let's say she had an RU486 chemical abortion, that could actually uh, 
lead to the death of the mother. And a lot of women today have tubal ectopic pregnancies. And if that baby is con continues to develop there in the wrong way, that can be very damaging and, life and even lethal for the mother. And so we want to get her in to get good medical care to see where is the baby? Has the baby implanted well? How far along is she? How is the mom doing? Those are really important first steps. Now, when a woman sees her ultrasound, when she sees that baby, that's when she really has a choice because it's personal now. She's seen that baby. Seven out of 10 women choose to keep their baby after seeing that ultrasound. And so if you can get her to check her health and see that ultrasound, you are helping to equip her to make a real choice of seeing the person, the personality of her baby moving in the womb. And that is very important. And so I hope that you could do that. You know, something you might even reach out, offer to do is to go with her to go for that ultrasound. I think it's a beautiful thing you've done in offering to adopt that baby if need be. Uh, I think that's great for her to know that this baby would have a wonderful home. Uh, but those are some things to do in the immediate moment as well. Lori, do you have further questions? Is that helpful for you? Um, yes, it is. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Absolutely. If anyone, you know, is listening right now and you know someone who's considering having an abortion like Lori, focus on the health of the mom and the baby and start right there. And Lori's friend, let's pray for Lori's friend. Is Lori still with us, Jim? Lori, you know, I know you have a devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Do you know the Hail Mary? Lori, do you know the Hail Mary? Uh, yes, I do. Would Can we pray together for your friend, the Hail Mary? Uh, yes. Would you mind? Because uh, I really only know it in Spanish. <laughs> we'll pray it together. Yes. No, I, and I don't know the Spanish. So you know what? We will pray it and we'll offer this prayer. You can pray in Spanish. I'll pray in English. And everyone with us, you have an army of prayer warriors with you right now. We're going to pray for your friend, Lori. We're going to pray for that baby, that God just protects that baby. And that Our Lady of Guadalupe wraps her mantle around that baby and that mother. And for all of those women who are considering abortion, we'll pray together. Pray with me for Lori and her friend and this baby. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Hope, pray for us. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll be right back here on Trending to talk about whether or not having an abortion makes women happier. That's what the culture says. Is it true? Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888 914 9149. Is a woman's mental health better after having an abortion? I know many of you have had more questions on the issue of abortion, especially Gail's asking a question about forced abortion in this instance of risk to a mother. We'll talk about that tomorrow here on Trending. I do want to talk about this specific topic, though of whether or not women fare better after having had an abortion. There's been this false claim for years, especially a prominent in an age where we're very focused on mental health today. And the idea has been 
that a woman who carries an unwanted baby to term is in a very bad mental state, both during and after, if she has that baby. It also claims that a woman walks away scotch clean, totally fine after having an abortion. There are countless studies that prove this wrong. Even a study that was done, a 10-year-long study that talked about how women who are denied access to abortion are less happy. That's actually not the case. The further away from a denied abortion a woman gets, the happier she is because she has her baby. So, you know, if she's two months away from it and still pregnant, she's happier then than she was right after being denied access to that abortion. If it's two and three laters, she's still happier that she ended up having that baby. But there's one study I want to reference. The National Library of Medicine features a study, the Australian and New Zealand Journal of Psychiatry. Now, it's really interesting looking at this study. Because abortion has always been associated in the public conversation with regard to alleviating a burden on women. But no one's talking about the fact that abortion is linked to severe mental health problems. Abortion is associated with increasing risks of anxiety and alcohol abuse and drug abuse. If we look at some of the statistics and what's happening from alcohol abuse, drug misuse, suicidal behavior. No one tells women that these are the mental health consequences of abortion. They're not consenting. They're given a couple set of pills and the RU486 chemical abortion process and sent home. It's actually more traumatizing for a woman who is at home and sees that baby she gives birth to a dead baby at home. Because at the end of the day, a woman knows that when she gets pregnant, she is a mother. And when she has an abortion. She's the mother of a dead baby. No matter what way you slice it, natural grieving must occur for that woman. So between the choice of having had an abortion and the grieving of the loss of a childhood and lost motherhood, that anxiety, depression, suicidality, all of the fear and damage that occurs even physically that we're not even talking about at the moment means healing. Once woman, a woman has a single abortion, she's more likely to have a repeat abortion. We need to end the cycle of the mental health crisis occurring in our culture, and much of it for women has to do with abortion. So if you or someone you know has had an abortion, we can no longer be told the lie that women are happier for having had an abortion than carrying a baby to term. The data doesn't support that. And we need to find help and solutions for those who have had abortions. And that solution is supportafterabortion.com. That's supportafterabortion.com. Even if you know someone who is currently considering having an abortion and you're fighting for the life of that child, such as Lori's fighting for the life of her, of her friend's child, even if they do in the worst case scenario have that abortion, don't end your loving support for that woman. Give her the resources because she is and she will be hurting. Whether it's now or years from now, supportafterabortion.com. It'll be in the episode notes for today's show. Please join us at Family Roser Across America and pray for Lori and her friend. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Tuesday, joining me on Trending will be Dr. Nicholas Carderas. He's the country's foremost technology addiction expert. He's an Ivy League educated psychologist and he's taught neuropsychology. He's going to weigh in on the mental health crisis we're experiencing, the influence of technology, and the role of gender ideology 
in society today. So join me daily at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.